Welcome to Talking in Stations. I'm Matt Earl. We're going to talk about EVE Online for the next half hour. Uh, Guardians of the Gala is coming. That'll be out uh, possibly tomorrow. As soon as tomorrow, we're looking for some kind of patch notes from CCP, the company that makes EVE Online. We'll look for those tomorrow. We'll let you know more about what's going on there. Um, today, Razor sent out on behalf of the Fire Coalition a correction about what their intentions are. They We reported they moved some hardware back from the Delve area to defend their home area in Impasse or Mencia actually. And so uh, they made a clarification statement. So we'll check that out. Uh, Stitch Caneland from Tuskers has suggested a few interesting balancing changes in recent weeks. He posted those on Reddit. We'll have a look at that. And of course we'll do our uh, update on the war in Delve, that is one of the biggest wars EVE Online has ever seen, and at least in the last, uh, well, the, the wars have been getting bigger and bigger in EVE Online, so you'd have to say this is the biggest war EVE has ever seen, uh, but it's definitely the biggest of the last five years, and the last five years have been gargantuan scale wars, so we'll definitely talk about Delve today, particularly what's going on in Helm's Deep and uh, what happened in 1DQ, as we know, uh, an AT ship was Van Hole there. It's like the Red Baron of EVE Online, Van Hole, uh, managed to snag himself another AT ship, which is an Alliance tournament ship worth a lot of money. Right there in 1DQ, and that's really like, a, I mean, uh, not to put too crass an example to it, but it's like a high-profile assassination in the middle of a downtown city. Uh, it's an incredibly interesting move. We talked about it uh, over the weekend. Uh, also, we want to go back to wormhole space and remind you that popsy has been uh, evicted now uh, that happened over the weekend we didn't get a chance to cover that so we will check that out and uh, if we have some time at the end there we'll listen to a back issue of the fireside chat from imperium we're going to go back to helms deep when it was first announced and uh, really explore this question of is it important is it not important i feel like uh, there's definitely a dueling uh perceptions of what it means to have uh, Pappy infiltrate or get beyond the gates uh, that were considered Helm's Deep. And is it important? Is it not important? Things have definitely changed in the game. Uh, but at the same time, it was a big publicity announcement with over 1,500 people in the chat. So it'll be interesting to explore that. I think if we have some time, we'll go back and see how some of that messaging uh, had started. Okay. Let's uh, let's check out what's going on. Oh, with me is uh, Gregorian. How are you doing, Gregorian? I'm doing all right. Yeah. Good evening. Good evening. All right. Well, we'll start with um, well, Guardians Gala. There's really nothing to report except that uh, the uh, agency-based uh, fleet finder. Actually, let's pull that up. If there's a recent announcement. All right. So CCP Dev Blogs. And it'll be one of these top ones. And if it's not here, go to articles. Oh, shoot. Always forget. Anger Games is happening. Uh, we'll find out about that in a minute. Huh. Can you find that announcement for me on the uh, Fleet Finder? And what was... Uh... Here it is. Fleet Discovery Improved. Sorry, I found it. It's Fleet Discovery Improved. Let's uh, actually improve our view of that. Make it a little bit wider. 
there you go. So this is something we expect to happen in the next uh, expansion. It's really quite simple. It is taking the fleet finder and putting it into the uh, agency, which is um, kind of like your bulletin board of information inside the game. So you'll be able to find fleets in there as well. We also told you on the side there, you can see there is a, a tutorial. See if I can zoom in. Oh, the picture doesn't get any bigger. Or does it? See right here, it says tutorial uh, and fleet up. Both these tabs are new. The uh, fleet up is a new way of finding fleets. Uh, you can uh, sort them by fleet activity or filter them out. That's kind of new. Um, and all this is just kind of a, a new and alternative way to find your way to a fleet, which should be pretty good. And the tutorial section of it wasn't given much publicity, but that uh, is little video tutorials that they've now put into the game to help you with concepts. So um, short little devlog here that we expect to come tomorrow, as well as the Valentine's Day um, event that happens for EVE Online. That's called Guardians Gala. Uh, we talked about that with Ashtarothy the other day. And go back and see Ashtarothy in his red coat. That's the right video. So check that out. Okay. Um, One thing that uh, might people looking at Hobo Leaks have seen might be in the Guardians Gala event that wasn't in there last year was uh, data sites. Mm-hmm. What about them? Last year, the Guardians Gal event was only combat sites, but I guess they thought the data sites for the Christmas event were really successful. That was, I, well, I personally spent more time doing uh, Christmas data sites than any other data than any other holiday event site uh, pr previously. So I, I guess they're going to try that again. Oh, well, that's interesting. Yeah, again, we'll we'll pick this topic up uh, tomorrow. We'll have Ashtarathi here. He can talk us through some of the changes in great detail. And it's interesting to know that they're going to uh, um, basically double down on some of the success they had in the winter uh, event, which was really popular. Uh, so that's cool. So let's go to layer. My notes have escaped me. Here we are. Okay. Um, yeah, Razor Sense. I don't think I put it in here, but let me just read it for you. It is right here. Uh, a message was written uh, to me because I probably didn't have all the information right. So I'll just read this uh, out loud instead of instead of pasting it. But this is from uh, Orkrell Assail. He is from Razor. He is the uh, senior Razor FC. He says, quote, I'd like to make a quick clarifying statement on behalf of Fire Coalition. We are the only coalition. One second. We are the only, uh, sorry, we are only redeploying supers and titans back home. All deployed subcaps and capitals will remain in Delve to contribute to the war efforts. Fire Coalition supers did not see much action over there in the last few months since most super capital fleets, uh, keep star fights, etc., happened in late EU and USTZ anyway. The impact of this redeployment, therefore, should be minimal. Greetings, Oracle Assail. That's Senior FC from Razor. 
Yeah, and uh, uh, Fraternity, the other bi- big uh, alliance which moves some of their assets out of Delve, was also uh, moved to, uh, them out because they uh, their time zone isn't where the action is such that those assets weren't seeing a lot of action. Right. Uh, okay, and that kind of makes sense. I think what gets lost in these war... Um, oh, I don't know. Talking about the war is what things actually mean. And that's one of the things, uh, the reason I want to cover Helm's Deep, but also when you see a group leave the theater, are they actually leaving? Are they partially leaving? Are they still committed to the fights? It's... Uh, it's an interesting it's, it's an interesting war in that uh, it's taking a long time, right? We're months and months into it. And so people have to be able to uh, be flexible if they're going to stay into it. Like if you thought you were getting into a four-month war, you're way past that now. It was five months in November. So uh, in order for you to continue to like, I don't know, uh, participate in the war, perhaps you need to be flexible with your guys. That's a possibility. It's also a possibility. You're just tired of the war and you want to take off and you just don't want to say it out loud. So you, you make some kind of, um, some kind of uh, deal or something or some kind of publicity messaging or some sort, like you really don't know what's going on. You can't tell until you start to see if fights that would be appropriate for a group are not attended by a group, then you know, they're kind of out. And we did see that when Nelsekhania Shulpin, for instance, and you saw it with Revika, you saw it with different groups that were in fights they could take, and then they just disappeared and they went to do something else. Those groups, definitely out. But when you're talking about a group like, oh, uh, well, this one here with Fire Coalition or Razor, that sort of thing, we will see if they don't show up to fights where they could have shown up, right? Fights in their time zone, for instance, and didn't. And then you will know if they're in the war or not. But until then, I think we have to wait and see. Okay, uh, we'll come yeah, back the, to war. Go ahead. You know, with stuff that I've been hearing about alliances leaving, the thing that's really confused me is where the idea that Brave has pulled out comes from. Because I, I've been hearing that for the past week or so, but I keep seeing them, them form fleets every day still. So I'm... I, I'm confused by hearing that. Well, if there's no evidence for it, then it uh, doesn't really exist, does it? Um, Brave Collective. I think their sovereignty is uh, depleting. That might be uh, on purpose. I don't know. I think Esoteria was also abandoned, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. Uh, yesterday, a uh, screenshot was leaked of Dreadit at telling people that since test plans to uh, stay in delve after the war they should move their assets uh to delve aside from stuff that they use in fleets that are going to be formed with out of a jump clone deployment in esoteria well okay so esoteria is way out here in the south i think you can see it if not i'll blow it up and the way this map works a little bit a little bit kooky. Um probably doesn't help. It's way over here. Uh and as you can see how it's uh Esoteria, Paragon Soul, 
is connected to period basis. Uh, I think this was legacy space, Esoteria. Paragon Soul was kind of rented space, or it was given to an uh, army of mangoes, I believe. Oh, Amencia over here is like Fire Coalition. I don't know what Tenerifus was, uh, but Catch was Brave Territory, along with other, um, they're called Voltron alliances, which are Legacy Alliances minus Test. So it was like yeah, Test plus Legacy. Yeah, the idea of Voltron is that since most of those alliances aren't large enough to form up a full fleet on their own, collectively they get together and form one big fleet. Like the Voltron robots of anime fame or whatever. Okay, so Esoteria has been abandoned. That was something that was, the writing was on the wall. I don't know if there was any pressure there directly. There might have been. I think Bastion was working in there for a while. Uh, But anyway... So Esoteria is abandoned. Catch seems to be half conquered or quarter conquered by uh, parties that are supported by the initiative but aren't the initiative itself. The initiative had the misfortune of having a lot of timers get reset into U.S. time zone. And that is not their strong time zone, so they're not able to do a lot uh, with, when the timers, when the vulnerability timers are set away from them like that. So what they yeah, do is support smaller groups that are in the area. Yeah, yeah, especially since uh, a lot of their U.S. time zone corporations moved to Goonswarm in October and November. Oh, good point. I didn't know that. Yeah, it makes... Uh, uh, one thing that's very interesting about this game is the time... Uh, sorry, the time zone conflict and time zone um, issues. There... Uh, how do I explain this? Um, I'm stumbling all over this because I don't know how deep to go into this, but but basically when you form an alliance, or let's say you form a corporation and you mostly have US time zone guys, when you decide to form an alliance, you tend to want to find people that are a different time zone than you so that you can have a longer time zone window. So you would form with European guys and that's a more powerful group because now you can fight in European time zone with your European guys, or you can fight in U.S. time zone with your uh, American guys. And and then as you form an alliance that way, uh, you want to form with a separate alliance that might have a Russian or Chinese time zone uh, group or an Australian time zone. And so those Australian corporations and Australian um alliances were very valuable to be just kind of bolted on to any kind of um, uh, powerful organization. They need that coverage. That was one of the strongest parts of uh, the corporation, uh, I think Van Diemen's demise or VDD in uh, Northern Coalition during the Fountain War. You had FC named uh, Dark Razor who was able to totally command with plenty of experience his guys in addition to any of the nc guys or nelly at the time wanted to be uh stay up late at night in the u.s time zone to fight those late night uh, aussie time zone fights that's something that he was very well known for uh dark razor went on to join ccp as ccp larrikin but he was an fc before that okay so that's some of the um the backstory of that. Let's move on to uh, this one. I don't know about Skitch. Stitch Caneland from Tuskers has suggested a few interesting balance changes 
Did you load this yeah. in? What do you think? Yeah, I, I, I read his uh, today, the thing he wrote today. Uh, previously, he's uh, written a few interesting things about uh, like how to rebalance battleships or Black Ops battleships. Today, he uh, wrote something about how to balance armor against shield by changing the penalties of armor rigs since the penalties of armor rigs are that they slow your ship down. He's, he's suggesting and providing a lot of interesting reasons why it would be better for game balance to, uh, for the penalty be to slow in to, to reduce your ship to a penalty to your ship's inertia so that, changes in velocity happen slower so you can't it it would take longer to get up to a full speed or to align or things like that rather than just slower overall all right well i put the link inside of uh chat here if you're interested i'll put it in the show notes as well the title of this uh from a very good pvper and also somebody ran for csm twice uh stitch uh, All-around good guy and very knowledgeable in this arena. He says in this article, make armor rigs nerf inertia instead of speed. So check that out and see what you think. We also at Talking In Stations had huge discussions on on EVE Online and theory crafting and that, that sort of stuff today, which was unusual because I don't usually participate in, in that kind of a thing, but I, I suppose uh, I felt punchy. So while I was participating, so were a lot of other people much smarter than me and uh, it was an interesting exchange with everyone so uh don't forget to join talking in stations discord when you get a chance okay weekend recap for helms deep this was uh there was a lot going on so let's go to helms deep actually that is inside of delve and we're talking about this corner here i believe there are I just wrote this down, 24, 34 system, 20, 24 systems. I wrote it down, one second, 23 systems. So if you consider this the entryway, right, this is a, all one constellation, but this system is outside of the, of the gates, let's call it, because there's two keep stars here in E3O. Uh, that's supposed to be like the gateway to everything else, to these two systems here, and then all these other uh, 31 systems. So back here was all supposed to be Sino jammed, so you couldn't just jump into it with capitals. And that allowed a measure of security because they had it all blocked up in the gate, totally camped. And uh, in the backfield, you couldn't just jump in overhead. Uh, so that made it difficult to get in, unless you did blops, which was a little bit different. If you put bombers in there, a little bit different. It's it's not impermeable, but it was the suggestion was this was going to be their like uh, their an area where they would kind of section off and say you can't take this because at the time they were losing a lot of iHubs way over here in this area, and the writing was on the wall because they were starting to march into here. I I don't know if T5Z was established yet, uh, but they were established in YZ9. I'm pretty sure, but it was, anyway, it was coming and they knew it so. The idea was, okay, we'll fortify here, block all this off for our guys. They can uh, uh, live there while we essentially project power from this area here. 
uh, they would project right into 1DQ and they could project into D attack uh, W and so forth. So I think that was the idea. Um, <clears throat> well, things changed, right? Because this game does change, but so after they made a big announcement, uh, really Pappy went to work on this whole area and started taking things down and um, capturing iHubs and iHubs lead to uh, destroying keep stars. Um, so what you saw is you saw some keep stars get taken down on their own, like over here in, I want to say it was ATAC 6 and WTAC K. KTAC yeah, KTAC 6 had, uh, was the one that got stolen. Right. So one got stolen in KTAC 6 as it was taken down. Uh, I think somebody forgot to pick it up and it was floating in space for a few minutes, a few minutes too long, and NC Dot came and grabbed it. And then uh, WTAC K was taken down and it was being smuggled out, but the freighter that was carrying it was discovered and destroyed. And so that was going on uh, during Helm's Deep, uh, you know, them fortifying up here. Uh, then later on, as things were progressing in Pappy's favor, I would say, as these territories were being taken, and of course, Imperium is not sitting there just waiting. They're fighting back and they're trying to take um, iHubs as well. And they've opened up a new front over in, um, you know, on the east side of this whole thing. Um, but then you have MTAC 2 happens um, as these constellations are being taken over. And uh, the Keep Star in MTAC 2 is a desirable kill for Pappy. Uh, they put a Sinojammer up. Something goes wrong with the Sinojammer. I think it's taken down or something, but it created a window. I think it was actually a, a hero. I want to say it was a, it was a hero subcap pilot, but I forget what it was he was flying in. And I the story is usually an interceptor. I forget what. I forget the whole, whole story, but I keep usually hear Interceptor. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll look into that story, uh, see exactly what happened. But it created an opportunity for the Imperium to jump uh, from uh, E3O to M2TAC. And they jumped everything uh, because they were essentially forcing a fight with Pappy or forcing Pappy to back down. Uh, but Pappy didn't. Uh, so you had MTAC 2 and, and uh, the armor timer became uh, essentially the biggest fight Eve has ever seen with the most destruction Eve has ever seen. And then uh, the continuation of that fight part two was the big disaster, maybe the biggest disaster Eve has ever seen. Um, so the servers uh, couldn't, couldn't support the gameplay. The gameplay broke down uh, and the uh, people that paid for it were the guys that were jumping into that system, which were happy. They lost a ton of uh, people. But it was just kind of a shame. I, I think that uh, it's not, it wasn't necessarily a victory, as uh, Asher put it, because they weren't able to uh, claim unfettered success. But it was a win because they managed to uh, have... Pappy kind of stuck in that system for for a month because that was at the end of the year so it was a month and in that time a lot of the groups from E3O uh, all the people that would normally camp that and secure it found a more important calling which is M2 tax so the idea was if, let's not camp here let's actually camp here 
and just you know keep keep on top of our opponent and not let them out. Uh, and then recently there was uh, a big attempt to break out, and I think like uh, I think something like two hundred titans made it out, or was it a hundred? A hundred and eighty is the official yeah. number. Yeah, 180, but six died in the process, so they got out like 175. I think that's it. Yep. Uh, so two-thirds of the are the ships that were stuck in this system uh, got out. Um, but really what happened was momentum that showed uh, momentum, and you saw them, they saw uh, tests start to take over a lot of this stuff. The iHub here at M2 Tech. Uh, that was an important win. You can see Tess now owns it. Uh, DTACW is back in PL's hands. So that's a big deal. Uh, Tess never did lose, or Pappy never did lose uh, the iHub and T5Z, but that would have been a big deal if that was possible. Uh, it didn't happen. Uh, you can see Noel switched to NC dot. The Keepstar there was destroyed. So there's been a momentum that happened uh, after M2. So M2 has kind of lost its... Um, it, it kind of lost its weight. Uh, and whatever the Imperium was doing at the time, I believe a lot of that has been rolled back. Uh, I don't have statistics, but uh, you can just tell a lot of this is rolled back. And that's what's happened in the last, I want to say, week and a half. And then they attacked Helm's Deep, this area here. Now, the Imperium's point is doesn't matter anymore it's not territory we're guarding so you didn't win anything you didn't you didn't break through anything because we're not really guarding it uh we're in m2 now you know with a hundred of your titans and that's where our emphasis is sorry i keep pointing the wrong one here it is and we're in 1dq and so we're no longer in helm's deep it's not important but it is a moral victory for happy because this was something that the Imperium had a huge meeting about. They had over 1,500 people gathered around for an announcement. And when that announcement came, it was this Helm's Deep Phase 1 strategy. And the strategy was, we're going to gate camp here, and we're going to dare you to rush us, and we'll take out anything you throw at us in this area. And everything behind here will be uh, secure, essentially. Uh, at the same time, they said stuff like uh, Pappy has no staying power. Uh, they've been fighting this war too long. They've taken too long, and they're not going to win. Uh, again, this was in November 7th, so it's been a while since then, too, and, and Pappy still looks like it's moving pretty well. So some of the stuff they say doesn't age well. But the idea at the time was uh, we're going to we're going to have this really and, – and it's really cool. I like this part of the messaging coming out of the Imperium. Uh, we're going to have this strategy that is interesting and um, kind of epic. So that's what that was about. So over the weekend, when you saw Helm's Deep essentially uh, get broken into, and you can see now what the damage was that was done. I mean, Helm's, Helm's Deep system of E3OI itself with two keep stars in it has been taken over as far as iHubs go. And every one of these constellations, oh, except one here, I, I missed that one. Um, but what is that? Five out of six uh, taken over in that one constellation. And in the second constellation, everything has been taken over uh, by test. Of course, you can see it's now reinforced 
that means that test is being reinforced by the Imperium. So the Imperium is fighting back. Uh, in addition, everything over here still belongs to Goon Swarms. You can see all that greenery there. So that is the Helm's Deep situation. And I'm sure a lot of people have a lot to say about it. And I should have uh, gone back and read all these. But I'll take questions now. And then we'll actually go and listen to uh, a little bit of some of the stuff that was said. Or just take you back to uh, Helm's Deep. Was it, was it important or, or not? What do you guys think? Important? Not important. Let us know. Uh, on the one hand, with the when when I hear the Imperium say not important anymore, my first instinct is we didn't want those ships anymore. When you take a loss, you devalue the loss because you don't want it to hurt your morale of your guys. You don't want your guys thinking that you're losing. And the Imperium are clearly on a back foot. They're not necessarily down and out though, but um, things are eroding for them. I think that's pretty clear. Anybody who looks at the map and everybody who's been paying attention for the last what eight months, um, they are moving backwards into smaller and smaller space, but they are still incredibly powerful and M2 prove that they are not to be counted out of this war. They can actually turn it around. They may die in the process. You know, it's like the hero fighting the dragon and hero's almost dead, but he still manages to kill the dragon uh, and barely survive. And then there's a slow recovery for him. That is still possible. Beowulf did period. end up dying of his wounds after he, he fought the dragon, though. <laughs> did he? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, right. So it's important to note that um, we're not trying to diminish anyone's spirit. Now, Pappy will talk about Helm's Deep in terms of breaking through uh, and making a mess of something that they hold dear. And Imperium will say, we don't hold that dear. But I think objecti objectively, you have to look at this, not because it's just some constellations in the north, but because such a big deal was made out of it uh, when it was announced. Let's actually listen to some of that right now as we go to November 7th. It uh, looks like with chat. 14. This is the Fireside Chat. Uh, you're going to hear the voice of Matani. This is going back to November 7th. This is... Uh, older than um, this is not recently. This was November seventh. So let's take a listen to the beginning of this. Instead of well, yep, okay. I think this might be one of the largest firesides ever. Now, one of the largest firesides ever. That's an important point. If if it was just a normal fireside, you could say it's no big deal. It was just a fireside chat. This is the one of the biggest ones you've they've ever had at fifteen hundred people. That is a considerable about a considerable amount of people listening in on an announcement. So remember, nobody knows what's going to be announced here. Uh, look, uh, look, screenshot that shit. Well, the moment has passed. We, <laughs> we shot past Elite. The moment has passed to screenshot 1500 on... Uh, wow. I keep saying we're going to start when the numbers stabilize, but uh, y'all motherfuckers keep turning up. So that's good. I don't know if we're going to break 1400, but we might. They do eventually. I'm so sick. So of watching numbers slowly tick up, election or not. <laughs> Glad that shit is over with. There we go. Okay, so I have some good news, which is to the start of this, uh, before we, I guess, officially begin. Uh, looks like with 1,420, Jesus Christ, of you guys here, uh, the bad guys might have found their balls and might be taking a poke at our 49 Keepstar finally. Fuck. 
I've been waiting yes, for so long to for these guys to do it, take a whack at our keep stars. Listening to the voices. So I'm going to get to the heart of this. Uh, the big announcement is nuts. Uh, we are now in the fifth month of this war. Uh, we know what their strategy is, which is to slowly try to burn us out so that they think that we're going to leave. They think that they're going to have me here announcing, oh, we're going to Serenin. Oh, we're running. Goons are breaking. Goons are running out of money. Oh, this is almost over. Nuts. That is not happening. Uh, we have a strategy which we're about to begin to implement. We prepared for this now, I think, like a month and a half ago. We are executing the first phase of our Helm's Deep plan. And I'm going to tell you all about it, and then Asher is going to say a few words, and then we're going to get back to fighting. So I want to give people a big overview. Uh, obviously, before we go into this, uh, our U.S. time zone was incapacitated by the election. Uh, we're not going to talk about politics one way or the other. Uh, this society is one of the last bowling leagues. Uh, I like the fact that we do not uh, openly uh, allow political yowling uh, in Elysium. You guys know me. I'm a flaming leftist or whatever. But at the end of the day, like more than half of my friends are on the other side. And I think that it's much better if we don't talk about the shit and said focus on our spaceship game and killing the bad guys. Uh, but it is obvious that uh, we ate some shit in this last week because the U.S. time zone, which is where we have our vulnerabilities, was severely depleted by the fact that most of us were watching fucking TV or dealing with chaos one way or the other. So as we go into me discussing the state of the war, how we're going to continue to fight and what this uh, next phase of our strategy is, uh, I do want to acknowledge that we lost iHubs and that sucks. And the question then is, now what? Well... Here we go. So, pausing it right there. Uh, again, I was explaining the backdrop to this. I forgot about the election. November 7th makes sense. Yeah, and a lot of EVE players were just plugged into the real world at the time because the election wasn't one night. It seemed like many days. So he's saying a lot of the guys aren't showing up to fleets, et cetera, et cetera. But also the iHubs have been, again, taken, much like they've been taken in the last week at this point. So this is why he's announcing... Uh, something they've planned for a while. I think this was kind of like an emergency exit plan for when your house is on fire. Maybe that's what it was. But here it is uh, as he announces the Helm's Deep. Uh, so this is like the fifth month of this war. Uh, like I said earlier, their strategy is to burn us out. And then they want to be able to sweep up all of our stuff once goons have quit and it's all over and you know the puppies have won and whatever sort of horseshit they believe. Uh, my opinion and the opinion of the directorate is that they have taken too long. They are trying to do a big push. They are hoping that we're going to break and that it's going to vanish and then whatever. And they will be freed from this war. Uh, but I think that they've taken too long. I don't think that they are prepared to go uh, as far as it's going to be to try to burn us out of Delve. One of the big differences between us and them is, is that we are defending our homeland and we're defending our people. They've made it very clear that this whole thing is to try to get us to be torn apart. And while we're talking here now, uh, we're almost at 1,500 people on the fucking fireside, which is awesome. Thank you guys for coming. The only thing that is uniting our enemies is their sort of gurgoon bandwagony kind of thing where they don't like us because maybe some goons scanned them or they were told that goons are bad or whatever it is. Uh, but they are not fighting for something. They are simply collectively going, goons, uh, while we are fighting for each other. I think my bet is that we have a stronger society and we have more will and that we are uh, here for the duration while the enemy is not. So what are we going to do? 
Well, we've lost some outlying iHubs. It's been a bad week in iHub land, uh, but now we are going to go to Helm's Deep. Uh, when I say we're going to go to Helm's Deep, uh, this is a plan. We are going to be moving our capital ships from DTECW to a system that we'll be revealing shortly. And uh, we prepared it in advance. There is a Keepstar on a gate, which is designed for just this scenario. Like I've said before, the bad guys are sort of top decking. They don't really have any big, amazing plans that they can pull out of their asses because they already banged their pots and pans together. And we're like, we're invading Delve. We have Keepstars here. So goons are totally going to give up and go home. This is one of the cards that we're playing. Our intention is to stay in Delve until the last fucking Keepstar falls. Uh, but we do not intend to have every Keepstar fall. We intend to fucking fight for these things, force these guys to fight for these things, and grind them into fucking paste while they go bankrupt. This is the Briar Patch. So, what are we doing? The Alliance is going to continue to make sure that you guys have ships to fight with. Also, we just broke 1,500 people on the fucking fireside. Congratulations, boys and girls. Uh, <laughs> as you guys have seen, that, SRP so. is continuing to go out as planned. Our enemies keep saying that we are bankrupt. Uh, it is not easy. I'm not going to say that, oh my God, like, you know, uh, paying out all these butcher's bills is simple, but because of the uh, old goons coming together to keep us fighting, uh, we have been able to sustain these losses uh, and continue to fund ships and warfare. So we're going to keep doing that. Like, there is no reason uh, to give in or give up, especially because the enemy is hoping, tuning in, listening, hoping to hear us give in and give up. So what are we going to do? Uh, we know that at some point they will probably clear enough iHubs because it is hard to defend them uh, in the areas that we have been losing them. Uh, we have always said we're going to lose iHubs, we're going to gain iHubs back, and we're going to fight them on the Keepstars. Uh, what is next? What's next is we are going to be moving our capital fleet to E3OI, and uh, we're going to do that right now, like as soon as we get done with the Fireside, which is going to be now. Uh, well, actually, not immediately now, because we're going to talk to Asher about the nuances of this plan. But essentially, that's it. Uh, we're playing this game on Iron Man Impossible. We're fighting against impossible odds, seemingly impossible odds. I don't think they're actually impossible, but the, it's an XCOM joke. Iron Man Impossible. Uh, the enemy is fighting on easy mode. They are hoping that we are going to go away. We are not going to go away. We're going to dig in even deeper. And now we are going to move our capital fleet to the position that we have prepared to get ready for the defense of 1DQ1 and for our keep stars. Uh, and so, uh, introducing the Helm's Deep plan. Uh, Asher, if you'd like to go into a little bit more detail. Thanks. Go listen to Asher. Um, so, uh, Mittens announced what we're going to do. We're going to move our capitals there. Uh, if you take a look at Dotland, you can see the uh, nice nature of E3O is there's one way in, one way out. Um, Talking about here. The enemy will have to come through that gate. Uh, one of the problems right now is, you know, the Delve is a pretty wide open layout and they have, you know, in a, much more numbers than us. You guys have been out there fighting for iHubs. You've seen it. It's pretty hard, uh, to fight those numbers, uh, when, you know, sometimes they're two to one, sometimes they're 1.5 to one. It depends on the day, right? But, uh, that the numbers, uh, are, are something that, that they have an advantage of and that they're going to use and that's fine. But we want to make them have to make choices, uh, about, you know, uh, do we want to jump into them? Do we want to uh, go into their capitals? Do we want to fight um, on a gate? Um, right now, they have a lot of initiative, a lot of impetus with uh, you know being able to um, 
being able to choose the time and place where they fight, which is something that they want to do. So this is a plan to help us move some of the impetus back to our side, uh, give ourselves some initiative on as far as uh, when uh, when and where they uh, have to engage us. So uh, when you're in E3OI, there is a there are two keepsters in the system. We'll be going to one on the gate. Uh, anytime you want, you can undock your carrier, undock your super. Uh, you, can, you can scan at that gate. It means move the fighters down the gate. There will be a full-time gate camp. Um, if these guys want to jump in through that gate, they're going to have to jump into a very heavily armed gate. If they want to form up and bust through it, we welcome them to try. Um, and they can... Uh, they can come through and, uh, you know, and anytime they want and, uh, uh, and, you know, see if it works like that. That's the, that's the idea. Um, all right. That's the idea. I think we can end there, but I think what I took away from that and the reason it stuck into my head is, uh, is, is, uh, you can hear the excitement of how many people showed up for this meeting, because again, it was, touted as a very big announcement a plan like things are going wrong for them they say we have a big plan show up and they had a record number of people i think by far show up because i think the record was broken at like 1300 and then he says 1400 and then he says there it is 1500 take a picture etc so it was a big announcement right not only internally but also externally because after this comes uh uh let's see here you have an article as well it talks about um, you know, what the Helm's Deep strategy is. You have some propaganda being made. Uh, so it was definitely a, a messaging vehicle. And I think it talks about a special, see, uh, on Saturday, November 7th, the Matani Lear of Imperium held his normal weekly fireside chat. Uh, these weekly occurrences, da, 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 leadership says, but it was an op- um, here it is, um, in short order, the Matani said that there was big news to be announced consisting of uh, two main parts. And the first one of which was was that. The second one is, I think somebody had joined them, a French group, but um, so it talks about that. So it wasn't a non-announcement. It was definitely like, it was definitely like a strategic pivot. It was, uh, and those, there aren't many of those. This war is a long war. So there've been a few but this is one of those strategic pivots. So, so there you go. So Helm's Deep is kind of put up as a marker. And you can hear Asher basically saying, we dare them to come through us. We'll be here at A3. Again, that's not the current situation. And it hasn't been since the end of the year where that fleet that was guarding there, or part of that fleet, not all of it, part of it, actually moved to M2 to keep pressure on uh, Pappy. Pappy escapes pressure and starts to tear up the place up here. In a weird way, it is a reversal. I think that's why it's notable. And even if like, um, it's, you know, it wasn't, I mean, it's been a month they were trapped there. So it's a good long time and they lost a lot of momentum. I'm talking about Pappy here, but in a strange way, if you think of this as the November message, we're going to guard this area up here in the North. And then a fight out of nowhere, out of some keep star that doesn't matter, creates a situation uh, that blunts all progress and even reverses some as DTACW gets taken, as M2 gets taken, uh, the IHUBs for the Imperium at the time. You see a reversal of momentum. You even have boats saying, I would have said we were losing until 
today, but now I feel like we're tied or win. He said tied, but uh, it was at least Randolph that said, I think the Imperium's winning now after M2. So that was definitely an opportunity to be taken advantage of. But after a month of that, and it uh, looks like a slow, very slow, it took a while build, um, the Pappy forces didn't quit, didn't break up, didn't take off, which is all, it was all very possible, I think. And it was a good measure of like, how dedicated are these guys? Because you heard Batani say in November, these guys are winning too slow. They're going to break up. And I think you still have all the players that really make the difference for Pappy still around. So that's not exactly bearing out. Uh, and at the same time, you saw them come back from M2 and be able to get their ships back. And now you're seeing a pretty steady grind, which ends up being a reversal if you consider this, what the plan was in November. Plan in November, Citadel. Plan in December and January, sit on top of our enemy outside of our citadel. Plan in February, citadel's getting penetrated. That's how the story is looking from our perspective. That's why it's important. You can say it's not important, but it was a messaging, it was a, a messaging push. And that same messaging push is now being used against the Imperium, which is the defense to that is to say that message is totally irrelevant nowadays. Yeah, That's what they, the messaging war is. Yeah, those systems did seem uh, to be fairly important, to still be fairly important based on how much ratting was being done to keep the ADMs up. That was my impression of it. But didn't they drop the jammers? Like, why would you drop the, the jammers? I, to, I think it was to I don't think they did, but... Uh, the jammers did end up being bashed a few times. Yeah. Some about the jammers went down, but they went back up as soon as it started getting attacked. The jammings, the jamming, uh, Sino jammers went back up in each of the systems, which and, and I think Billy even said they went up fast, like they were ready. So, uh, but you know, nobody wants to give up territory. You're going to fight for, um, you're going to make it as hard as possible. You're not just giving stuff away, but you're not going to fight stupidly either. Uh, I think you'll hear actually Asher say the fights are like one and a half, one and a half to two to one. Let's hear just a little bit more. I think it looks like it with it, as far as like other iHubs, like there's going to be more losses. There's just it's just math. It's just numbers. Like they have uh, a lot of numbers. Uh, iHubs, they have we have no defenders advantage in iHub, obviously other than the timers, but there's nothing like you know tether. There's no uh, cheap star turbo laser. There's nothing like that that, that gives us the advantage. So uh, we're gonna just try to make that take as long as possible. But um, you know we that's been the game plan for a long time is to just uh, make things take as long as possible. They've, uh, in my opinion, the way they prosecuted this war has been really really backwards. Um, the longer any war goes on, the worse it is for the attacker. Um, they have a lot of uh, people who have, you know, grudges in the leadership level. And then there's a lot of people who have been, you know, uh, Mittens told them that he has more sex than them. So they're upset about that. And they're posting. They get really them. mad about the, the, um, the fucking. I don't know why. What he's talking about there is uh, on one of the meta shows, he made some comments about going upstairs and doing some things that can't be talked about on air and the crowd uh, uh, stirred, got really stirred about that. 
and uh, it came up a few times since then. So that's this is like right after that happened. Uh, looks like with, but the point is, is that um, that kind of you know level of of anger is not sustainable. You just you know people start going home, they stop logging in, and the longer this goes on for them, the worse it is. So uh, what I want you guys to uh, think about is, you know, we've got holidays coming up. We've got a war that's in its fifth month at the month at this point, And we've got people who, um, are not defending their home and you guys are defending your home. So we're going to make this take as long as possible for them. And we're going to make it on our terms, make them have to come in and fight us, uh, um, as much as we can dictate the terms. We're going to do that ourselves. So as soon as this fire sets over, we'll be forming our fleets and we'll be moving over there, uh, immediately. Welcome to the fucking Briar Patch. All right. I think uh, there is a point in there, we might have passed it already, where he talks about the, and this was surprising to me because a lot of what I hear is that the uh, the numbers are three to one, uh, Pappy versus the Imperium. And uh, if, you, if, you cal- if you calculate all the actual player numbers on paper, that might be true. But when you actually look at who's showing up for battles, the battles, uh, according to Asher here, were like one and a half to two to one, which is still a generous outnumbering of your own guys. An FC can, uh, again, according to Asher, he made this on one of his podcasts, and an FC can make up for a good 100, 200 uh, combatants, you know, a good FC versus a bad FC. But after a while, if you are outnumbered too much, an, an FC's skill really won't matter. So that's pretty, uh, pretty interesting stuff. Yeah, one and a half is usually roughly the numbers that I see when I in fleets that I'm in. That yeah, the three to one is a fallacy. Uh, I've not seen it anywhere. I did see uh, two point seven to one maybe when I did some calculations, but on average it was like two point two. If you combine an entire week's worth of combat, how many people participated in PvP from either side, and you collect all those guys, all those statistics, I think we came out to about a 2.2 to 1. Yeah, uh, I don't know where you get 2.5 to 1. Maybe you have some statistics you could share. Um, But when I did... um, when I did calculations, it was only a sample of one week's worth. So it's not like that's definitive. It could go up to 2.5. It could go down to less than two. It just depends. But um, I think uh, I think people in fleets will know how much they're outnumbered, right? Sometimes it's a lot when it's important. Sometimes it's not that much. Sometimes it's almost even. In any case, the Imperium has less people. That means their fights are harder. They can afford to lose less people. Uh, they're they're working against uh, the N plus one monster. They're normally there on top of that, uh, riding that, but not this time. On on the other side of it, the Imperium is fighting for their home, so their motivation will be higher, and they have the structural advantage of tethering and all that sort of stuff. So they're as the defender, uh, they have an advantage there. That's why this is such a good war. Okay. I think that's it. Uh, I just wanted to go back and probe that uh, Helm's Deep and talk about that and talk, give it some historical context, go back and revisit some of the um, talk that was made when this came out and, uh, and then get you up to speed on what it means. Now, the other thing about this that we'll talk about later is we've seen a new doctrine pop up called uh, 
I don't know actually what its name is, may not be named, but it is using a sky breaker, which is a frigate from Edencon. Oh yeah, we call that mutalisks. It's a reference to StarCraft where the Zerg have a unit called the mutalisk. It's this flying uh, creature which uh, moves really fast and its weapon bounces from one enemy to the next. Okay, the mutalisk doctrine. Um, I think that was uh, was uh, put together by Gobbins. And of course, probably would help with other people, but he's a real theory crafter and he's a very experimental thinker. So it's interesting to see that new doctrine because that could really be a game changer. It's a stunning, it's a, so far, it has it had good success with two fleets. Is that right? Uh, I think it's been used in one fleet that got a fight. I know that a week ago we tried it, it for the first time. Uh, there was a small fight against uh, not not very many jackdaws and uh, chemo legions that went pretty well. And then on Friday, uh, it performed spectacularly against uh, the Instawarp Ares. Ares, yeah, that's what it cleaned up really well. Um, let's see if we can... I think I died in an Ares that same day, so I'll probably added to your... I might have killed you then. Did you really shoot me? Like, how I don't know, but <laughs> if, if that's the fleet that killed you, then it might have been me. Uh, test, a test guy killed me. He apologized for it and wanted to send me ISK. I was like, no, 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 no. You, you did what you were supposed to do. Good job. Um, so there's a lot of Ares that died, but I'll get to a section that has a lot of uh, Goonswarm Ares here. It was that. I doubt this is it. Um, but, yeah, this is not it. This is something else. Ares get killed all the time. But there was, I was, I, I thought, oh, they only killed 15 Ares. That's no big deal. I mean, it's a big deal, but not a big deal. Here they are. Look at all these. Uh, we'll go to related. But when I saw you killed 44 Ares with that doctrine, I was, I was stunned. Oh, again, that's T5Z. Uh, let's go. That was a C5, wasn't it? Or CTAC 5. Go back another day. Hey, there's a lot of killing going on here. A lot going on in 1DQ, it looks like. And T5. Oh, I'm not in Aries, no wonder. Alright, well, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go back looking for it. I'll I'll try to find out. Here we go. Thank you. Sorry about that. Uh yeah, T5Z, that's not it. That's a staging system. Um, I'll recognize it when I see it. Detac W is not it either. You remember what system that was? Uh, I f I forget, but I can check through my killboard to find out. Yeah, see see if you can find it real quick. I just want to find excite. I should have run into it by now. Yeah, I should have run into it. I thought it was CTAC G or something. Here it was. QC TAC. So I'll just. I'll just uh, go to the Q QC tech. I'm pretty sure. Well, I don't know if that's where they died, though. That's where it was. That's where the fleet was. Yeah, it, it, it is. Uh, that's where they died. Okay. So we'll look at them this way. And if you look at the on Z Killboard, the top uh, characters for the past week in that system are all uh, Skybreaker pilots. One of them is me. Oh, congrats. Here it is. 
God, that took forever. Sorry, you guys. Uh, should probably pull that up before the show starts if I'm going to talk about it. Yeah. Just see the. Did they all? How many died at once? Was it a few waves of them, or was it just one? There fleet? were uh, two fleets that. Well, the, one fleet uh, went through and basically evaporated, and then they reshipped and tried again and didn't fare much better. What was the reaction like being in that fleet? Oh, thank you, God, thank you. I was. I had been wondering what it would, how it would work out, and I was. We were all. That was really awesome. Were you guys? It was how we thought. Like, well, well, yeah, I, I was that. sitting in the quiet channel, which is where I usually am in fleets. So I don't know what it was like in the main channel. Yeah, but it seemed like we were all pretty happy to see that it how well it worked, especially right. since those ship the interceptor fleets are usually very difficult to catch and it right. just evaporated them yeah and they're actually used in in this kind of warfare they're um they're basically disruptors that come in and, and break your entosis links and uh uh they kind of they kind of screw you up on the uh oh what do they call the nodes right because you have to entosis those things so these guys are highly effective, fast. They can get through anything, and to see them wiped out like that—that's the game changer, right? Like, yeah, that's and that—and this is not even the type of thing that Gavins said in the original announcement that it would be that he this was intended to fight. This is just something else that it works well against, right? Yeah, when he announced it, he said it was it was going to be designed to take on. Uh, cruiser fleets like mutants and stuff right okay so uh, this may not be their use case but oh my god this is it worked it worked really well in this use case so it may you know you may see other groups use this or what you may see and probably will see is a counter that will keep this in check something that will uh essentially be able to take this on there's already a lot of theories about how to take this on um but those haven't been tested yet. Since this is very rare, it's very new. And again, it was introduced in the attack of Helm's Deep, which I thought was um, pretty interesting. Yeah, and because uh, of how new it was, and no one had ever really used these ships for anything really. Uh, there hadn't been, there wasn't really enough production and traded these ships to have a good price in Jita. So we had to, that's why it took so long from the original announcement to uh, uh, to getting it rolled out because we were sourcing everything internally in a way that was a bit slower, but oh, much yeah. cheaper. We got it much cheaper yeah. than Jita. Yeah, like so I think yeah. I think the skillbook in Jita alone for the Tech Two guns is more a couple hundred more than I paid for the whole package. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. So you didn't get ripped off because these are going to be harder to source for you guys. So you don't want to lose yeah. them. Yeah. But, but you didn't pay the going rate from you got them uh, cheaper. Yeah, we got them hmm. pretty cheap by the standards of what compared to what you could get in Jita because uh, my expectation is that as people find more uses for them, the 
there will be more people looking to fo- farm the components for them and the skill books, and that will result in prices getting down to something more reasonable in Jita. But well, right now, it- they're a bit more Jita price is a bit more than I would be you willing to pay. If you're in the business though of selling this, uh, it looks like at least right now, uh, this might be a good business to be in. I'm going to agree with Wormius. Uh, he says it's going to be interesting to see the mutilisk doctrine versus fighters from carriers. Uh, and oh, that, that would be awesome. Yeah, I want to see that too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Remember, it only kills each blast will, will affect four additional ships after you hit the first one. So it's a total of five. But um, this works, this weapon by itself works really well against five opponents because the more opponents you have up to a maximum of five, the more damage you will do to each one of those individually, which is an interesting twist on that kind of area of effect. It's not really an area of effect. It's really four inside of it. But yeah, against fighters, I think it, if 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 used well, could certainly clean up a cloud of fighters uh, pretty well. But you have to have uh, you have to stay on top of the fighters, and they can outrun um, the the conduit, which is the FC, the fleet commander in an eagle, for instance. He's the conduit. Everybody hits him, and he explodes into a ball of electricity all around him. That's how this works. Interesting stuff. We'll see how we'll see how effective it it, it uh, continues. All right, uh, thank you for tuning in to talking in stations. That's all. I'm thinking of taking the rest of the week off, um, but I'll take this moment to say I'm looking for uh, some people who may want to join talking in stations, uh, even in, as a host capacity to do what I do. And uh, so, if you're interested, let me know. I am um, Matt Terrell at uh, Talking in Stations Discord. I'll give you that now. Yeah, there was one more thing that did that happened last night in 1DQ that a Ragnarok pilot accepted an invitation to fleet and got fleet warped to somewhere and dread bombed by Northern Coalition. That's right. Um Right. You know what? I, it's funny enough, I was in Helm's Deep with the camera ship and I was wanting to stream. And then I was going to actually, uh, I tried to fly there because I heard there was uh, somebody, uh, one of my sources was like, uh, ooh, Titan tackled going down. And so I started flying there. By the time I got there, it was gone. So I wasn't able to stream anything. But um, that happened late US time zone, I think. Yeah, so it was a it was a good kill. I think it was a French. No, no, that was the AT. No, ship. the French guy was the yeah. the Kaidis. Yeah, who who was the Ragnarok that went down yesterday? I don't uh, know. Uh, I what, have it. It's right here. It was someone from Zebra Corp, I think. That's what it was, Zebra Corp. Yeah, I like those guys. Uh, Zebra Corp. Also, the guys that were the founders of Crossing Zebras uh, podcast and uh, website, a long time ago. Well, five years ago, not that long. Uh, yeah, too bad he got picked off, uh, pulled out. That's the third one in about a week, I think. Uh, we've had two happen in as many days, and then there was the AT ship that was killed, uh, and then this is a day late, two days later. So it's been about a week, and you've had four pretty impressive ships destroyed in 1DQ. 1DQ is uh, 
it's like a little city right now with everybody in it. Uh, it, that it, and it, too, so. it actually reminds me of late November, early December when uh, it, every few days or so uh, the Imperium would take out uh, something very expensive on the T5Z Keepstar. Yeah. Yeah, well, the most we'll expensive then was a Revenant, and there were a couple of Supers and a Titan or two. Yeah. It, yeah it's, usually, it's not a reflection on the organization. It's usually a pilot that makes a, a silly, thoughtless mistake, and it's really on him. Uh, yeah, but usually when people do this, they get made fun of more by their own pe- their own guys than... Yeah, people get super mad. Oh my God. Last thing is, uh, pass B eviction, pass B. Oh my God. Popsy, Pospy. Pospy is pause party. And, uh, unfortunately they were evicted from their wormhole. I think they lost four, four desires, which were just too big, um, a loot drop to ignore. So hard knocks went in there with laser Hawks and one other group, I think. And wormhole society. society. Wormhole Society and sealed up their hole, uh, controlled it, and then destroyed them. And uh, Pospy doesn't have their lead FC that they had, Valerius, I think. Valerius, uh, who's Valesius. now the leader of Dockworkers. Him, yeah, he was their FC. He was their one of their main guys. And they also lost their CEO Cascora uh, to real life. She has uh, things to do in real life, so. They just weren't in the shape they could have been to even mount of defense. They did defend uh, Hydra at one point. Uh, that was a wormhole that they lived in. And also their ally, T-S-D-I-N, uh, uh, the, what is it, the Scary Wormhole People? Yeah, That's Scary Wormhole it. People, the Dark Space Initiative. Yeah, the Dark Space Initiative. And you may remember Exuki from Dark Space Initiative. He's their leader. Uh, very charismatic guy. Phenomenal CSM and phenomenal player, uh, but they are essentially banished from wormholes, unfortunately, by hard knocks and laser hawks, and uh, they are now in the initiative. Uh, but but they were not able to help out uh, with uh, Pospy, and I don't think Pospy really appealed for a lot of help. I think they realized the writing's on the wall. Wormholes yep. is in a very strange place right now. It's uh, it's very much dominated by a few groups, if I'm yeah, not mistaken. Well- I when when I was first starting out, I was mostly in wormholes uh, with mainly with Eve University, and one of the first memorable fights that I FC'd was against Pospy. Oh really? Yeah. How long ago was that? Actually, uh, two thousand and nineteen, uh, summer of two thousand and nineteen. Yeah. I'm actually still relatively new to the game. It's so funny. I uh, I was hanging around Eve Uni. And trying out wormholes in 2009 when they were new. <laughs> That's why I was asking when. Uh, so that that's ten years apart. Good. Yeah, it's ten years later. There you are doing that. Yeah, uh, so very different place at the time. Yeah, I also fought when I was with Eve University Wormhole Society, the one of the co- groups that evicted them a few times, and they made a good impression on me as a competent group when I fought them. I never fought hard knocks or laser hawks uh, when I was with them. Although uh, I, I think about a month ago, 
HK and Laserhawks dropped a content astro host in the Eve University wormhole and got a substantial fight. Yeah. Uh, and not, not surprising. Um, you know what would be interesting is somebody writing a book on the history of wormholes because a lot of groups have come and gone. Some of those stories are still preserved with uh, little movies that you can watch from uh, Rooks and Kings. And, um, and a lot of it's in forums and stuff like that. But the Rooks and Kings movie will give you a flavor of some of the mysticism that was going on in wormholes. But even before uh, Rooks and Kings was doing videos, like long before, right after um, right after wormholes started, there weren't even groups in there. And the groups that were in there were not organized very well. You literally could take a tower and go in there with an orca and live there for a little while before you were actually found. Now it's uh, they've got it all mapped out. They know where everything's it, everything is. So it's a whole different world. But it used to really be what maybe Pochman is right now. Kind of like unsettled. People don't really know how to use it yet. Uh, so Poshvin right now is probably what wormholes were like when they were first introduced in uh, 2009. I, th I think if you want that Wild West feeling, that, that's happening right now in Poshvin. Yeah, Clarion Call, uh, check that out. It's a whole series. I think he did. they did four. Very well done. Very, very well done. The closest thing you'll see to an Eve movie is uh, Clarion Call, I believe. Um, and we can leave it there. Actually, one thing just happened in Delve that's, uh, I think that was, the, well, the fleet that I've been on just got home. And one of the things we did was, I think, take out the first of Fortizar to fall in the 1DQ constellation. Fortizar fell in, oh, in the constellation of 1DQ. Yeah, okay. I'd, I'd, I'm pretty sure that prior to this, no other Fortizars in that constellation have fallen, but yeah. one of them just fell, and earlier two, uh, three other Fortizars had fallen earlier in the fleet. Cool. Well, thanks for that latest update. All right, guys, let's raid somebody, and we will see you possibly tomorrow. Again, I want to take the week off, but I may not want to let you guys down and show up anyway. And you may see some streaming. If something goes down, I may do some uh, streaming since I've got my camera ships up and out. Uh, so anything can happen. Just watch the channel. If we don't see you tomorrow, we'll see you later on. And remember, Talking In Stations is going to open recruiting. I don't think we've done that in a very long time. But uh, I'm looking for people who have uh, a desire to participate and are uh, able to uh, commit the time. You know, it, is, it is definitely a time consumption place all right thanks to you guys oh don't forget to subscribe that helps and, and uh, i have to yes. say that well i i like the imperium's w names that they come up for stuff like one the first fortizar that we were shooting in tonight's fleet was called kirith ungol and then there's helms deep and i i remember that back when we were in fountain going through the bastions keep star system all the all those big structures had other tolkien like names like i think one was angband or something and there are a few other warhammer references like the former jump bridge network was the eye of terror which is kind of <laughs> ironic uh, considering that 
the forces of chaos emerge from the eye of terror to wreak havoc upon the Imperium, but I like all the names that they come up with for their stuff. I might not be in the Imperium, but they come up with great names for stuff. Yeah, they definitely do. Uh, A lot of that is Tuzzy, I think. He's our logistics guy. Uh, Some of that is Matani. I don't know how much anymore. But uh, they have a lot of clever guys with good naming uh, capability and stuff like that. It's uh, it's part of the great part of the Imperium is their uh, sense of humor and uh, that sort of stuff. Like honestly, if they if they really wanted to like increase their image, it wouldn't be so uh, insiders only. This is a private club. You stay out. Uh, I think they would probably have a lot more sympathy and recruitment if it was. If, if they just stuck to what works for them, what people want to belong to, uh, as opposed to we're insiders, you're outsiders, that sort of thing, which is when they call other players, uh, what do they call them, pubs? Pubbies. Pubbies, yeah, that kind of stuff. It's uh, it's very dismissive, but yeah. Hey, not all games not all games are like EVE Online, and sometimes I wish EVE Online was like more games where where people were more like Elite Dangerous Community or whatever. All right, we'll talk later. See you guys. Thanks.